0: Okay, so, Philippians 1, starting in verse 3. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on a day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character that's produced in your life by Christ Jesus. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Okay, so the first thing that God really made stand out to me in this passage, um, and the first challenge that he gave me was just seeing how Paul genuinely loved and cared about the believers at the Church of Philippi. And this is something that I want us to think about in our context, I want to challenge us, is think about, like, how do we care about the people here at Northgate Church? Or um, It doesn't have to be just the context of Northgate Church, it could be uh, any believers that you think about. But because I was thinking about Northgate Church specifically during this Devo time, I do want you guys to think about the people here at Northgate Church specifically as well. So the thing is, is like, okay, how do we care about each other? How do we genuinely care about each other? Well, let's ask a question. How did Paul care about the people at the church at Philippi? What is some of the evidence we see in this text that shows us that he genuinely cared for these people? Well, take a look at verse three. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Okay, so this is simple. This is a very simple point right here. But first of all, the very first step is that Paul thought about the people at the Church of Philippi. You know, he took the time and he paused and he thought about them. He remembered them. And so what I want to do is I want to challenge us and think about when was the last time that we did that, that we took a pause in our day and we thought about our fellow believers here at Northgate Church. And we thought about like, where are they at in life? What are they going through? What are some of the struggles they might be facing um, in their lives? Or what is, where are they at in their faith? And we just took that pause to think about them and then we pray over them. Um, And like I said, this is like a simple thing, but this can be a thing that has a profound impact on our lives and the way that we view each other if we actually apply it, if we actually intentionally take that time to pause and do that thing in our days. Um, How many of you guys have ever received one of these things before? This is a a thinking of you card. I've noticed that in some stores they have like sections that are kind of like titled the thinking of you section. Um, this card right here says, you occupy my thoughts. So I picked it because I thought it was kind of punny and everything and all that stuff. Um, but what gives a card like this value? What makes it meaningful? You think about it and like when somebody gives you this card, first of all, somebody had to take the time and they sacrificed the time to go and to a store to buy the card, first of all. Um, now realistically they probably didn't just buy the first card they picked up unless you know sometimes i'd be tempted to do that to do that but realistically what they probably did is they took the time to read through several cards and as they were reading through those cards they were thinking about you they were thinking about things you're going through and they were thinking about like okay what is the card that is going to encourage them the most what is going to bless them what's going to put a smile on their face what is going to be the thing that shows them that I genuinely care for them the most? And so that's what gives these things value because they, you know they sacrifice the time to think about you to do this. So just applying that to us, whenever we do intentionally take that time to pause in our days and to think about each other and to pray over each other, what that is showing is that we genuinely do care for each other. Um, something else. That God uh, stood made stand out to me. You keep on reading, and uh, we'll read through uh, three through five. Actually, um, Paul says, "Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the first, uh, from the time you first heard until now." Okay. So the second thing that God made stand out to me is the fact that. Paul not only took the time to pause to think about the people at the Church of Philippi, but then he thanked God for them. You know, he went to God and he was like, God, thank you for their faith. Thank you for what they are doing and thank you for their partnership in the ministry. And another thing is that he was filled with joy over these believers. Um, Now, here's a a little side note. Um, There's a challenge in this from the people at the Church of Philippi because the thing is, is that they filled Paul with joy because of how they were living out their faith. And so that could be a challenge for us. Are we the kind of Christians who fill other Christians with joy when they think of us because of the faith that we live out? Um, but I don't want to get too deep into that because I'm mostly focusing in on Paul and things that God made stand out from Paul in his example. Um, so, but taking that pause to think about the fact that, you know, he thanked God for these people. Um, again, think about like when was the last time that you took that pause, you thought about the people here at Northgate Church, individual people, and you thank God for them, and then you were like filled with joy. You know, some of you guys, you're like, you know what, yeah, 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 I, I was doing that yesterday, you know, and I was thinking about, you know, like Jeff Banks, and I was thinking about how Jeff just serves in the kid ministry and how he's just such of a, a great person to, to know, and his faith just blesses me. Or like Rachel Hague. You know, you might think of Rachel Hague and how she's impact. Or there's so many different great people at the church that you think about them and you're like, they fill me with joy. Like their faith fills me with joy. This is, this is good. Um, but then as you think through people, you might come to a point where you're like, you know what? Denny there. Ooh, Denny, that's tougher. Now, Denny, I, I know Denny pretty well. That's why I'm picking on Denny. He's He's one of those guys you can uh, mess with and, you know, he's, he's good with that. I also know that Denny is a hard person not to love and not to be blessed by his faith. Uh, so, but the point is, is that as you think about the different people, um, there's probably gonna be people that you think about and you're like, you know what? My first thought and my first emotion isn't thankfulness and joy. That's not what first comes to me. Um, but the thing is, is that it's important for us to genuinely care and to be thankful for and to love our fellow believers in Christ. Um, because ultimately, it's not just about us. Um, when we read in um, John chapter fifteen or chapter 17, you see a prayer of Jesus, and he's praying over unity for the believers. And one of the things he says is uh, that they will know that you have sent me. So the way we care for each other and genuinely love each other shows that Jesus is been sent by God, that this is real, that this is true. People see the way we love each other, and they see Christ's love through that. Okay, so we know that's important for us to do this, but here's a question. How do we do that? When you think about those people who are like a little bit more difficult to love, a little bit more difficult, you're not like immediately filled with that thankfulness, how do we get to that point? Well, Paul shows us the secret sauce, okay, and that's in verse 8. So you read in verse eight and this is another thing that God just really made stand out to me and um, really challenged me with this. He says, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. So this is important. Paul didn't love them with his human love. He didn't love them just with his own strength and he didn't just try to muster it all up inside of him to love people. He loved the people at the Church of Philippi because Jesus Christ filled him with that kind of love. He allowed Jesus to transform the way he thought about people and the way that he felt about people. And we see that, you know, he talks about that in uh, chapter two, and you can read that when you go home, see how he allowed the uh, mindset of Christ to transform him. Um, But that's something that we need to do. It's something we can't do in ourselves, but we need to allow God to do that in us. Corrie Boom, she uh, talked about this in one of her journal entries. Um, she was speaking at a church in Munich, and a, um, she ended up meeting uh, a prison guard, um, a Nazi prison guard that had been um, watching over her and her sister um, at a ca- uh, camp in Ravensbrück, a concentration camp. I want to read to you a little bit of uh, her journal entry. It was in a church at, in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was the truth they needed to hear most in that bitter, bombed-out land. I gave them the, my favorite mental picture. Because, of, because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I like to think that that's where forgiven sins were thrown. We confess our sins, I said. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. And that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform and a visor uh, cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush, the huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Froland, how good it is to know that, as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who so glibly, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take his hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. So, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one outstretched to me. As I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. Then, this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart for a long moment we grasped each other's hands the former guard and the former prisoner i had never known god's love so intently as i did then and so the thing that i want you guys to get out of this is that even when there's fellow believers or people in general that we have a hard time loving and caring for thing is is that we don't have to muster the feelings the emotions those things up in ourselves We go to God and we ask him to fill us with the love that we need for those people. And he'll do that. But what we can do is we can take the steps we know to do. So for us, even if it's difficult, you can take that pause to think about someone else. You can take that pause to pray over them. You can take that pause to ask God to fill you with a love for them and to help you be thankful for the individual. Um, And so that's the challenge that I want to give you guys. Okay, so there's just a couple other points that I want to draw out to you guys. So the next thing that God made stand out to me is the fact that not only did Paul take the time to pause and to think and to pray and all this stuff, but he intentionally told the people at the Church of Philippi that he was doing this. And this is, again, it's a simple point, but it's something that's easy for us to overlook. Sometimes when we're reading scripture, we forget to think about what's the form that it's in. Um, But Philippians, it's a letter that Paul wrote to these believers. So he's telling them intentionally, hey guys, I was thinking of you. I was thinking of you, I am praying over you, I am thankful for you guys. And he wanted them to know this. It's important for us to verbalize and to tell each other how we actually think of each other and how we care for each other. Um, I don't know, how many of you guys like movies and TV shows? Anyone really likes movies and TV shows? Okay, oh, just a nice handful. I personally really like movies and TV shows. And something that you'll find in a lot of different movies and TV shows is there's situations where you'll see like there's a kid or maybe a couple kids and they grow up in a family and it's kind of like they knew that their parent loved them, but they never really said that they loved them. And so in those TV shows or the series, it's like later on in their life, they're like talking to a psychologist or someone else. And they're like, you know what? Like, yeah, I I know that they love me, but I just, I wish that I heard it. I wish that they told me that they actually loved me, that they cared about me. Now, this is something that's true in the context of our families. We need to verbalize these things and make sure and be intentional to know, to make sure that we know that we love each other. But that's also true in the context of our church family. Um, Because again, the way that we love each other is going to show the world Christ's love. And we are evidence of him. And so that's something else that I just wanted to challenge you guys with. Something that God challenged me with personally. And then one other thing that I want to share with you guys is how Paul, later on in verse uh, 9 through 11, and we'll read through this together, but something else that Paul did is he prayed with intentionality. When he prayed over these people, he wasn't just generalizing things and just saying, like, yeah, I pray over them, and God, you know what they need. Um, it's not a, a bad thing to pray that way necessarily, but there is a, a thing in scripture where we're supposed to pray with specifics. You know, God does want us to pray with specifics. Uh, later on in Philippians, Paul talks about how we need to pray over everything. Um, And so, um, what I want you to do is, as you were coming in, uh, you should have gotten one of these prayer guides. So, we're just going to take a look through uh, 9 through 11, and I tried to break it down into five different ways that you can pray over uh, your fellow believers with specific details. Um, This is New Year resolution time. So, maybe another little resolution, something that God's kind of giving you a wink-wink, nudge-nudge on, is to start praying for other people more, um, and to start caring for them in this kind of way, and this can be a help to you. Um, So, um, let's start reading uh, 9 through 11. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return." May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Christ Jesus, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. So let's take a look. Let's break this down a little bit. What's the first thing that Paul prays for these people specifically? Well, he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. So first of all, in a general sense, what we can pray over is that we are filled with the love of Christ. Um, Now, it's important to point out here that Paul's not talking about just any kind of love. He's talking about a kind of love that is uh, rooted in the truth of Christ, and that's where he goes on uh, later, and other translations make it a little bit more clear, but he says that, I pray that your love will overflow more and more with wisdom and knowledge. Other translations use that little word, with, to link those two things together. Um, But so that's one thing that we can pray over for each other. Pray that we are filled with the love of Christ and not just filled with it, but that it overflows outside of us. Um, And then not only are we filled with this overwhelming love of Christ, but that it is rooted in wisdom and knowledge of truth. Um, And so we can pray for wisdom and understanding for each other. Another thing that you go on and you read, and this is in uh, verse 10, first part of verse 10, he says, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. And so he's praying that we are filled with this, this love of Christ. We're filled with this knowledge, this wisdom. And why are we? Why is He Paul praying for these things? Why does he want to see these believers filled with this love and this knowledge and this wisdom? Because he wants them to see and understand what truly matters in life. And we know that the thing that truly matters is God, he's the one who matters most in this, well, in anything, you know, he, he matters most in this life and, you know, the life to come. And so the thing is, is that our relationship with him is the thing that matters most. And we want to pray that we each understand that and we see that and we grow in a deeper understanding and knowledge that and that we cling onto that and we grasp that in our lives. And then he goes on and he says, uh, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. So this is the fourth thing that you can pray for. You can pray for perseverance of faith. Um, So he has not just the moment uh, that they're in in his mind, but he's thinking forward. He's thinking about these Christians in the context of as they live their lives, their Christian lives, they're going to come to a point at the very end where they're face-to-face with Jesus Christ. And so he's praying that they will continue in these things till that day, that they will continue to be pure and blameless uh, before God. And so, uh, we can pray for that perseverance and we can also pray for protection from sin for each other. Um, you can think about, uh, the Lord's prayer and how he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we can pray that that's part of the prayer for perseverance is that you're praying that God will keep us from sin and temptation and that we'll remain, uh, faithful to him. Um, And then a a last thing that we can uh, pray for that we see in here, Um, he goes on and says, "'May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, "'the righteous character produced in your life "'by Christ Jesus, for this will bring much glory "'and praise to God.'" And so the last thing that we can pray for is that we are filled with the fruit of our salvation. And that's the righteousness that is produced by Christ, by remaining in him, by being in uh, him, He produces righteousness in us. So think about like the fruits of the Holy Spirit, you know? Um, There's patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, love. There's a a couple others in that list too. Um, But, you know, think about those things. And when you're praying over those individual people, when you take that moment to pause in your day and you're thinking about your fellow believers here at Northgate Church and you're thinking about what are they going through and where are they at in their faith and, you know, you're thanking God for them and all this kind of stuff— also take that moment to pray and ask for their um, that they're filled with the love of Christ, that they're filled with his wisdom, his understanding, that they'll continue to grow and understand what truly matters, um, that they'll continue in perseverance, that they'll be protected uh, from sin and temptation, and that they'll be filled with the fruits of the Spirit. So that's what I want to challenge you guys with. This will be a little bit of homework for you guys um, today. I, I want to challenge you guys, at least today, when you go home, take a moment to pause and to do that, to do that uh, for your brothers and sisters here at Northgate Church.